We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Mizzou Nation, Mizzou fans? It's been a little while since we dropped the show, so we figured we'd come show you our glowing faces. I'm Martin Rucker, my co-host Tommy Saunders, and we welcome you to Making Mizzou, sponsored by 360 Vodka on the Kansas City Sports Network. So much has happened since the last time we tuned in. I think we uh, played a very, very close game to Arkansas right after Thanksgiving, and then we found out where we were going to a bowl game. We're going to play Army. On the 22nd, uh, down in Dallas, I believe, in the Armed Forces Bowl. And yesterday was a uh, kind of a big day. Signing day, early signing day, which, Tommy, back in our day wasn't even a thing, I don't think. You had to actually <laughs> go to the bowl game and win. <laughs> right. I hope the recruits were tuning in, give you a little extra exposure, uh, a little extra want to to come to your school. Uh, but uh, this early signing period, and there's a couple other things that have changed the game. I think around getting recruits to come to your school and things like that. Um, touch on that a little bit. Tell me, talk about your recruiting experience. Talk about what it was like back in uh, the days of the Model T car and uh, when the industry was just getting booming when uh, Coach Hill made that trek up to Carney Moe and made the pitch for you to come to Mizzou. Yeah, you know, so um, I didn't have an offer from Mizzou. I, I, uh, <laughs> so I didn't have an official visit, but I did have an official visit to Illinois. And oh, okay. uh, so, you know, wait, 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 wait. You had an official visit at Illinois. I did. They wanted me to gray shirt uh, and start at semester, but they yeah. they were one in 10 that year. And if their coach got <laughs> fired uh, after the season, you know, it was like $25,000 a year to go to school there. So if I had to pay for two years of school, you know, my thought was I'm going to get a scholarship after a year with the coaches and, right. you know, paying 50 grand for two years and getting a scholarship, you know, that was four years at Mizzou. Um, but the, uh, the official visit was awesome. My name on the Jersey running out in the stadium and seeing all the facilities and, um, going to dinner and everything. It was amazing. And my Mizzou trip was not like that. <laughs> my Mizzou trip <laughs> was, uh, Coach Hill, uh, driving around, riding with us, me and my grandparents and my mom around campus. And we sat down in the wide receiver room. And we, he told me that I could walk on and he went through all the receivers that we had and said, come if you want, 
basically. <laughs> <laughs> we think you're good enough where you can walk on and uh, play mm-hmm. scout team and redshirt your freshman year. And the rest is up to you and your work ethic, basically. But, um, you know, Coach Hill is a great – huh? What? Yep. But all you needed was a chance, huh? That's it. Just let me get my yep. foot in the door. And um, <laughs> But, no, recruiting, it's, it comes down to marketing and telling the story. That's why it's so important for you to go to a bowl game and mm-hmm. uh, win that bowl game. Um, now that early signing day, you know, it's it's not as important as winning that bowl game at a, as it yeah. used to be with the mm-hmm. signing day in February. Um, but, you know, it comes down to what stories can you tell. And, you know, Coach Drink is great at um, – all their social media that they're doing, um, you know, selling a vision uh, for Mizzou. And you've seen that where they're ranked with their recruiting class, you know, they're, you know, top 10, the recruiting class. And so that's one side of the um, coin is definitely getting there, um, getting some of these top recruits to not go to the bigger schools and come to Mizzou. And so he's done a great job uh, with that for sure, especially with their record, this year so before we get too far uh down the path talk a little bit about your recruiting trip to illinois some of the folks don't really know what goes on on the recruiting trips and the things that you're exposed to or the experiences that the university sets up for you i guess so talk a little bit about that did you guys eat lobster and steak on friday night or uh did you go to a football game that saturday talk a little bit about peel back the curtain a little bit and give them a peek <laughs> into tommy saunders at illinois <laughs> so As a young 18-year-old with a fro up here, not down here. <laughs> no, so, yeah, they um, they put me with another receiver. And first thing we did, we got there, and we went to dinner, uh, lobster and a 54-ounce steak. Ooh. Uh, it was incredible. Um, we, we went to a basketball game, I believe, uh, and then we toured the facility, woke up the next day. We went out with the play. I went out with the players. We uh, toured the facilities. Uh, <laughs> had my name on the jersey, put, you know, an intro uh, with my number, you know, introducing number 84, Tommy okay. Saunders. I run out to the uh, middle of the field. Yeah. And all the other players that are on the uh, visit sat down with the receiver coach and talked about all their players that they had and where they saw me fitting into the mix and the opportunities and got on the whiteboard and uh, explained their offense. And so it's, it's, um, it was a great experience. You know, they really are trying to get you there. They show you a lot of love. And um, I mean, it's great. There's nothing more as a high school uh, kid, as a football player, you want to go to division one. And for me not having, this is my only official offer um, (laughs) or official visit. It was incredible. So, uh, and they, uh, number 84, I know that's really, really special to you, right? Like really special to you, annoyingly so. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) so they put 84 on your Jersey there, right? And you ended up with 84 at Mizzou. I did. Um, how'd you pull that off? You know, uh, just marketing, you know, the same way, uh, the same as I remember I was number 80 in high school. Yep. And I was jacked up. And so, you know, I'm at Mizzou and they put the number 80 on the jersey and you run out on the field and the band's out there playing and the cheerleaders are dancing yep. around and they got your highlights up on the video board. Yep. You know, and then the rest is history. Show up on campus and I got number 82 and Cross is wearing number 80. I'm like, wait a minute. 
Who's who is this? That's, that's so funny. Where's my number? Why has he got it on? <laughs> that's lit. Nobody's ever asked me that question before. And now I'm thinking back. So, you know, I had number 81 when I came in. Okay. And you know I, I remember that now. So yeah. I had number 81 and I asked who's in charge of the, I was like, how do I get a different number? Mm-hmm. And I found out that Coach Cool was in charge of <laughs> the numbers. Okay. Yeah. So, I went on this um, campaign of building a relationship with Coach Cool. Okay. <laughs> anytime I could, I would talk with him. I would joke around with him. Um, I wanted to build a relationship with Coach Cool. Okay. Right. And so um, the key is to ask them at the right time yep. for the number change. So I like, I really was strategic about it. And I don't remember exactly when it was, but I caught him at a good time. Um, and knew when he was like a good mood and knew about him and then asking for a number change. He's like, yeah, that's fine. Whatever. Just let Don know. And I'll sign off on it. I was like, awesome. Fantastic. <laughs> and that was, it. I was a walk on. This is a walk on. I got it in the spring. Who was number 84 when you got there? Do you remember? Uh, say. Oh, he okay. He yeah. left. And so we're going into spring ball Makes and uh, I caught him at the right time and uh, got it. Makes sense. Right. I was so devastated. I couldn't get it at college. And then when you get to the NFL, you got to buy it if somebody's already got it. <laughs> and the dude who had it in Cleveland's name was Steve Hyden. He was like a six, seven year vet. So he wasn't coming up off of it. So right. I never got the number that I wanted. And you know really? what? That probably contributed to my uh, middling success in the NFL because I couldn't get my number. But anyway, we won't. No. That's, <laughs> it's really funny how that like really plays. It does a little bit, you know. You gotta have something to hold on to, you know. <laughs> yeah, and you, I mean, sometimes like some people look great in different numbers, you know. Like Denario looked amazing in uh, yeah. eighty-one, and some guys look like I feel like I look so sorry in number eighty-one. You well, know, they gave me eighty-six when I got to Cleveland. I was like, what? What am I doing with this? Just give me number one. <laughs> you could give me number zero. Right. <laughs> eighty-six. This is terrible. Right. But going into recruiting, that's a huge deal in, <laughs> in these recruitings and trying to get these kids the numbers that they want. And it doesn't yeah. sound like um, a very big deal how hey, you can just wear another number. But as a high school player, for me, I loved Randy Moss. That's why I wanted number yeah. 84. And I was purple and gold in um, high school. That was our colors. And Randy Moss played for uh, the Vikings at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I love number 84. And so the fact that you have to play into these kids and get these kids what they want, which it sounds, you know, like a small thing when you compare it to everything, but that goes into the decision-making process with these young kids. It absolutely does. We got a heck of a class. As you said, it's a top 10 class. It's headlined by Luther Burden and DJ uh, Wozniak. Not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but the kid from Boonville. Um, and then, you know, we got a great uh, quarterback, which is, vital you know your program's not going to go anywhere especially in college if you can have a really good quarterback or a solid quarterback in college it'll really take you a long ways um and there's a few other in-state guys um highly ranked as well and just talk about the importance a little bit of closing your borders down right to get in the best players in your state if you really want to have a successful program moving forward um talk a little bit about that and what that means you know it's as again, this is part of the the whole marketing around your university. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, to get recruits, you need funding, you need donors, you need people that are going to write checks for the new facilities. And whenever you see recruits, big time recruits from St. Louis and Kansas City in in state, and they go to Ohio State or they go to Nebraska, they go out of state, it kind of, um, you know, demoralizes you as a Mizzou fan. And so it just, it just does so much to the morale of the state of everybody getting behind Mizzou, regardless of uh, the record and what's going on to show that you can, you know, you're winning um, kids that have been, or they've been fans forever, no matter what, obviously, if they're in state and they're going to come to Mizzou. So that just shows you that you're doing a great job. um, And it's a great, you know, testament to Mizzou uh, building a, um, you know, a legacy within the state with these younger kids. And so I think it does, it's so much for the university, for the funding, for future recruiting uh, to right. win these kids and win those um, those big prospects that are in state. Well, when you're recruiting out there, you know, you're recruiting in Texas, you're recruiting in Florida, you're recruiting in Georgia. And if you can't even get the best kids in your state to come to your school, right? Yeah. How in the world do you think you could get the best kids from another state to want to come to your school? And so I think it's very important also, you know, from that standpoint of just this is our brand. This is what we're proud of to pull other people in to say, we want you to be a part of this too. leave Mm -hmm. your zip code, leave your area code, your home state, come here and help be a special part of this. Because, you know, one of the other things that drink talked about was how you can come to Mizzou and there's so many firsts that you can still be. And so uh, by starting to get those kids in state, with the big name, with uh, all of the stars, they all talk now with social media. All of those kids talk to each other. And so when you get the best kids in your state, they're talking to the best kids in the other states as well. And so, you know, that just that message of, hey, come here and be the first with me. You know, you got a wide receiver who's going against the DB from Georgia in one-on-one rivals elite camp, you know, and they get to chatting up in the dorm room and it's like, hey, I'm going to Mizzou. Why don't you come with me? You be the first cornerback to get – 10 interceptions and I'll be the first wide receiver to get, you know, 37 touchdowns in my career or something like that. And then you got the quarterback who's throwing them the ball. Right. And he's like, yo, come to Mizzou with us. And we're going to be the first to be able to do this. And so, you know, while our saying back when we were playing ball was it doesn't matter how many stars you have, we're going to knock them out of you when you step across those lines. It does help to get these kids with these big stars because they have networks too. And Nowadays, they turn into recruiters when they pick a school and they start trying to help you poach these other kids from the other powerhouse programs. And that's how you build a program. So I I agree with what you're saying. And I think Drink's doing a really good job at telling that story of the University of Missouri, Missouri, Missouri. We're not in Springfield. Sorry about that. Uh, Missouri (laughs) and uh, not south of 44. Uh, Right. But but, uh, you know, just that, that vision and that marketing piece and getting kids to buy in to the plan, to what he's building here at Mizzou. I think it's going to be something special. And hopefully this is just the first of many top 10 recruiting classes to come. Yeah. You saying that um, just real quick makes me think, it made me think about, you know, there's a difference between having a five-star recruit that's in state and a five-star that's out of state Right. with the, with the um, transfer portal and you're able to transfer out, you know, it's not as big as a risk nowadays for kids to go to a, a school. Yeah. They can transfer out at any time. Mm-hmm. But the impact of playing in your home state in front of your, you know, 
family and friends. Um, they can drive and come see you at every game, spring yep. ball. Uh, they can stay connected um, with you. It brings a sense of pride out of you um, yeah. to perform for your for your home state and your home school. Mm-hmm. And so I think that you're going to get more out of players that are five-star recruits that are in-state than you are, yeah. you know, out of state. Um, right. You're going to be definitely more invested uh, in your program than they are if they're going to, uh, if you're getting out-of-state kids. Um, and I think that's one thing that why we were so successful. If you look back, a lot of our um, players were in-state guys. And so, yeah. you know, that we just took pride, a lot of pride in uh, playing for Mizzou. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you touched on it a little bit uh, about the NIL. How do you think that's changed recruiting so far? And where do you think it's going uh, in the future? How big of a deal do you think this is going to be, not just for the athlete, but for recruiting as well? Um, I think it's uh, it's really interesting because now you can get transfers right away. Sophomores, mm-hmm. guys that have you know three years left to play. Free agents, um, basically, right? Basically, yeah, right away. <laughs> and so I think you got before it was, you know, targeting high school kids where it's we have, um, you know, 75 uniform changes. We got, you know, right. the, the biggest uh, weight room, uh, you know, yeah. around. We got TVs in your lot. You know, it's all this stuff that's really cool. Right. But as you get in, you're exposed to some of those things. Getting on the field and having um, great coaches and uh, coaches that listen and is going to get you to play and have good schemes and are really trying to um, accomplish something depending on, you know, where you're coming from, good systems. I think that plays a big part into the transfer um, portal and you can get some really great players that are established. And so I think it's going to be really interesting to see how recruiting changes Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to get kids from other schools to come um, and how that, how that, um, you know, it's not going to be, you know, uh, these social media posts with, you know, going in the water and coming out and water's all over <laughs> you like you're going to combat. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I'm going to change uh, recruiting to some of these other players. So it's going to be interesting to see. What do you think? Well, I was reading an article the other day and Lane Kiffin was talking about how, um, it's basically free agency in college and you coupled with the portal. So you got the portal where kids can go wherever they want, whenever they want, but then you throw this NIL deal on there. And so basically what it is, is which school can get this player the most money is where he's going to go. And so, so he's whining about this, right? And I love Lane Kiffin. I think he's hilarious, but he's whining about this. And so are a lot of other coaches. And as I continue to read, I just start to think, and I'm like, well, so he's 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 waxing poetic about these kids that are now just able to up and leave for the school that's going to pay him the most money. And then you go back and you look through Lane Kiffin's history, coaching history, and yeah. how he's just kind of left each school for the next one that's going to pay him more money. And again, yeah. nothing against Lane Kiffin, and he's not the only coach by any means that said this. But that's literally what every single college coach does. And they're talking about how you don't have stability in the program because you don't know which kids are going to be here and which ones aren't. And if they get upset, they can they can leave instead of having to be tough and stick it out and all those things. And it's like, well, yeah, you know, it is instability on your part, but 
coaches cause instability on players' parts, and they're getting paid millions of dollars already. These yeah. kids come from all kinds of different situations at home, lots of them extremely adverse situations yeah. in the home and in the neighborhood and in the community. And so as I thought about it, I thought, well, for the college game that we've known it to be, it's just going to be different. What we had was great, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that what we're getting ready to embark upon isn't going to be better or as yeah. equally great. And so I'm just really interested to see how it all plays out because I am, you know, I'm a kind of an old school guy. I'm more of a classic dude. So, you know, the system we were brought up in with coach Pinkle, right. You just fight through it. You fight through adversity, whatever's going on. But at the same time, I played with guys in the NFL or and know guys that played at other colleges that their potential wasn't realized. And it didn't necessarily have anything to do with what was going on on the football field. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like if guy needs to go somewhere else to get his, why not? Why should we not let them do that? Because they're considered amateurs. That uh, that terminology shouldn't really mean anything when it comes to this argument here. So I like it overall. It's going to be interesting to see how it changes the game as we know it. But I think it's I think it's going to be good for the game. It's definitely going to be good for these kids. Yeah, you know, it's going to be good for them to be able to monetize earlier in case they get hurt or something like that. And don't end up making it to the NFL, but. With all that money comes a lot of responsibility. And yeah. just looking at the statistics from the NFL, and those guys are a little bit older uh, when they get their money, being a few years younger and making, you know, not the same amount of money, but a good chunk of change, it's going to come with a lot of responsibility. So it'll be interesting also to see how the university helps support these kids and mm-hmm. pours into their, gives them resources for their decision making abilities once they, uh, once they acquire these large pots of money, uh, yeah. cars and clothes and jewelry and, and stuff like that. So I'm excited to see where it goes. And I'm really excited that it seems like we've got a coach in the driver's seat right now that knows how to use this to his advantage. Mm-hmm. And it seems like we've got an athletic department who stands behind him to help him to, that understands what it's going to take to get to his vision and be in Mizzou. We always do everything right. We do it all by the book, no matter what the NCAA says. And so uh, knowing that we're doing everything we can and we're doing it the right way and having the results we're having with the first top 10 recruiting class, I think, in school history, definitely in the uh, top 247 era, um, I'm excited. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Yeah. uh, Whenever you were talking about that, what was clear to me, from the way that you broke that down is what, and I, I feel like it kind of it kind of brought it all together for me. It's what is what's the NIL and what the transfer portal is doing is it's um, leveling the playing field. Yeah. You know, during the recruiting during the recruiting process, the coaches make all these promises, and once they commit and they get enrolled in school, they have all the leverage and the player doesn't have any leverage and they can, they don't have to, you know, play them. Um, they can really do anything they want um, to the player as, as far as promises and all that stuff. Hey, well, you're going to play quarterback and they move you to safety or whatever. <laughs> That's a very easy, simple way, right? Change in positions. And for a player that is not getting PT, the thought of transferring to another division one school, having to sit out a year, to be able to play again, you know, no player wants to do that. You want to get right. on the field. 
-hmm. And so, you know, obviously on, you know, on this, people are going to take advantage of it and are going to, you know, they're going to get big deals and, you know, blow the money or whatever transfer and, you know, make bad decisions. But I think in general, it's going to level the playing field where the coaches are going to have to, you know, back up their promises a little bit more and it gives the players some leverage that they can transfer. It doesn't feel like they're having to, you know, make this decision, this life altering decision <laughs> at 17 and 18 years old for the next four years, five years, that could change the trajectory of your life. Yep. Right. Absolutely. You know, based on, based on a coach that can, you know, if they, if they don't follow through what they said when you're recruited, when they recruit you, there's no repercussions for the coach. Right? Or if he gets a better gig, he, he leaves. Knows. Yeah. So I, I think overall it is a great um, uh, step in the right direction. Obviously, we'll see what happens as they move forward and what new rules and regulations. But I think overall it's great and it's going to be good for college football, just like you said. Awesome. Let's transition in to talk a little bit about our current Tigers. Um, headed to the bowl game, play Army on the 22nd down in Dallas. Um, what do you think of the season? I mean, you know, it had its ups, it had its downs. It was a football <laughs> season. They scratched and clawed. They never gave up, and they ended up in a bowl game. Man, <laughs> talk a little bit about the season. Give me your take. Yeah, I remember uh, they were two and three, I believe. Uh, and you know, we talked about it, and it was like, you know, <laughs> it's up, it's up to you. Are you gonna? What's gonna happen with this team? Are you gonna dig down deep and mm-hmm. and uh, finish the season strong? And pull out some wins or you know you can go the other way you know when your back's against the wall what are you going to do fight or flight is it going to is it going to bring you guys together or um or tear you guys apart are people going to be transferring out what you know what's going to happen and so i think that the fact they came out and they won four games um and are going to a bowl game is amazing it's great Obviously, you wish they could have won some more games. But if you look at the schedule, uh, I would take those wins, you know, the ones they pulled out. And they could have, you know, there's a couple other ones. If you look at the schedule that were really close that um, they won those games, you know, now they're they're sitting at eight and four. So um, that's what you're looking at for next year is those close games that they fell short this year, that they turn around those five or six plays that determine that game and can pull out wins. Um, there. I'll tell you what, after that Boston College game, you know, they fought all the way down to the end and they ended up, you know, losing that game, obviously. But it was like, you know, okay, we fought a, we played a, a, you know, a storied program, played them tough at their place early in the season. Like, you know, other than winning, this is what you wanted to see. Yeah. Then the Tennessee game came. And we got yep. destroyed. And yes. that was when I think a lot of people started to worry, myself included. Yes. Um, you know, and then obviously the next week you got North Texas and that's, you know, expected to win. But the game was a lot closer than we expected it to be, too, because that was a two score ball game. Yeah. Um, and then they, you know, lose the A&M games not close, which they were, A&M was a good team, but it was at home. But anyway, they lost. And then you looked at the rest of the schedule and you're like, okay, where are we going to get some more wins in here? Because every single game that's left on the schedule, we could lose them all. (laughs) But, you know, really, I mean, they went three and two in the last five games. 
which is great, right? Coach Pinkle yeah. always said, those who win in November will be remembered, right? And I mean, it's true. So they, you know, they go two and two in November, but the losses they had were to number three, Georgia, and number 21, Arkansas. Yeah. So, you know, there's, they beat a Florida team that, you know, turned out to not be great, but it's still Florida. Yep. And they battled them all the way down to the end and they squeaked out the win and went for it. And, you know, that was, that was awesome, right? And he came yeah. out with this Darth Vader wand and everything. Like, I mean, they really, whenever you get to those points in the season, right, like that Tennessee game, you can go one of two ways, just like you talked about it. Mm-hmm. And to me, whenever you're looking at a young program with a young coach that's really trying to build momentum and try to sell the vision, you have to see them, even if they would have lost majority of the rest of those games, seeing them in every single game, seeing them claw and fight and scratch, that tells you a lot about how things are going because it's easy to give up. And especially when the coach is new and those guys give up, you don't really have anywhere else to go. But when you see those guys continuing to fight for the coach, continuing to fight for themselves, continuing to fight for each other, that's when you know what's going on inside is probably the right thing. The results may not be there yet, but what they're doing in order to produce those results is probably the right thing. And everybody's probably bought in. And so I was really encouraged by, you know, the way the season ended. I would have been really happy if we would have beat Arkansas. I probably would have, I don't know what I would have done if we would have beat Georgia, but <laughs> I mean, if we would have beat Arkansas, that would have been great. It could have found another win and been eight and four. That, I think that's where I predicted us to be at the beginning of the year, but at six and six, the way this season played out, I think it went well, and I think it's a sign of good things to come. I think they're on the right track, and I'm really looking forward to watching how this drink era continues to unfold with the new indoor facility and all the things, the NIL packages that they're rolling out for these guys, and just all the things they're trying to do. I think we're really on the right track, and our best days under the Drinkwitz era are ahead of us. What do you think the key for the coaching staff going into next year to get these players um, on the same page, what changes they need to make, and um, to really get to where they need to be playing at a high level every game? I think they just need to be consistent. Uh, I think what they're doing is working. In those first couple of years, though, sometimes there's players that need to, that need to enter the portal, and there's players that you can receive out of the portal as well. <laughs> Coach Pinkle called it getting rid of the bad apples because you, yeah. I mean, you know how it was in those first few years, even when we were making strides and we were winning, there was still, you know, adversity. We were fighting in our own house. And so mm-hmm. getting some of that out of there, bringing in some of this new blood and then bringing in talent and getting yeah. it on the field, bringing in this talent that they've got now and, and helping them produce consistently a good product. Yeah. Connor Bazelak, uh, good quarterback. I don't think he took the steps forward that everybody thought he was going to take Mm -hmm. um, going into this season. And so, you know, just getting with him and figuring out what he needs to become the player that we need him to be, uh, especially as you're surrounding him now with some of this talent. Uh, You know, you got a nice, a good young quarterback and Sam Horn who's coming in. So it'll be interesting to see what we can get out of Basilak because what I wouldn't want to see is Sam Horn get thrown in too early. Mm-hmm. And you see it in the NFL a lot where the best quarterback gets drafted to the worst team because the team with the worst record gets the first pick. 
and then you know they're garbage yeah because they get gun shy because there's people around their feet all the time they don't have an offensive line to yep. block for them or the running back so you can't open up anything on the field i mean honestly to me you look at matt stafford right i thought that dude was a bum for the last 10 years he goes to la he gets out of detroit he goes to la and now he's one of the hottest things you know smoking out there in the nfl right now he always had the talent he just he was in detroit and that's just the way it goes so i say all that to say just uh getting getting these players in that they're recruiting staying consistent with the guys and sticking to their plan because i think their plan is working and they just need to stick with it and continue to implement it how about you same question well um when i was at detroit i was with matt stafford i came in as a rookie with him okay sure and same thing you know we had chase he was you know a top quarterback and uh one of our first practices we're in seven on seven and he had a nine step drop on a post corner post Mm -hmm. uh, to calvin johnson and he threw this ball off his front foot he was still going backwards (laughs) he threw it off his front foot and he threw a sidearm like this around a guy for a 60 yard like two ball right over the top and i was like all arm i was like oh okay he's the truth <laughs> i said he's the truth so um i always knew he was great um he was also throwing the megatron though that's true more quick stories i'm in dallas it's the end of the game we're winning he throws a ball 40 yards in the air it's like one of the last plays of the game if not to times ticking off the clock or whatever yeah megatron is standing in the end zone he's flat-footed there's a safety and a cornerback. The safety's running. The cornerback's standing there. He's flat-footed, and he out-jumps both of them for a game-time touchdown. Game-time. It's out of here. Game's over. Walk-off touchdown, flat-footed, out-jumps two people. So, yeah, Matt Stafford's good. I, I'll, I will agree with you now. But he was also throwing the Megatron. Continue. That's true. <laughs> but I saw, like, watching one-on-ones with Megatron, it's like – the corner is 15 yards off and they start backpedaling as soon as the ball snap. And then by the time he catches the ball, he's like eight yards uh, behind them. And you're like, and you don't even think anything of it. You're like, oh, because receivers always win, you know, one-on-ones. Right. But you really think about it's like, he outran this corner and there's nothing they could do. He yeah, tried 235 pounds, 240, yeah. six, six. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't even, what, what are we talking about? Um, <laughs> Getting uh, continued success. What does he need to do this offseason with these players to make sure that we're continuing to move forward, continuing to have success, and we achieve greater next year than we did this year? Yeah, I think that one lesson that I have learned, you know, transitioning from playing football and uh, into, you know, a career path and being a parent and going through those different, um, you know, changes as you as you grow and you get older – and life lessons is to um, learn and unlearn, right? It's like you have this mindset as you're a football player and you've learned discipline. You learned a lot of, um, you know, you got to be here on time. You got to, you know, all those things that, that you learn in football, you need that discipline. But if you take that without unlearning it, and re uh, positioning it as you have a kid and for me having a daughter for my mm-hmm. first kid you know 
understanding like you can't talk to your daughter the same way. You you have to teach the discipline, but it has to be in the way that they're going to take it. Right? right. And so I would say that's what to me, the coaching staff has to has to do. They have to understand who this team is, is a different team than they right. have ever had. This is the first time this team has been together. They have to really take a step back and look at this team and implement, like Coach Pingle said, all the disciplines and, you know, work ethic that it takes, but also not hinder their creativity and what makes them good. You know, these right. five-star kids, you know, nobody's telling – it's not in the game plan for uh, a receiver to catch a smash, you know, backtrack five yards, <laughs> cut across the field and take it 97 yards to the house, right? right? And so it's there's definitely a, a balance between coaching, being disciplined, and letting the players play and not feel like they're going to go out, make a mistake, drop a ball, run a route different, throw a bad ball, whatever it is, and then get taken out and never getting playing time again. You right. gotta you gotta let the let the kids and let your players um, do what makes them great and give them the freedom to make mistakes without. Um, yeah feeling like they're going to get taken out and never get a chance to play again. Right. And so I think it's, it's that um, finding that balance of being disciplined, but also giving the players the freedom to, to do what they do best. Sweet. Coming up against the end of the show here, let's talk a little bit about this bowl game. Tell me about, uh, tell me about your favorite bowl memory or uh, talk a little bit about your bowl experience and then give us your favorite bowl memory. My, uh, the first one that comes to my mind is when we're gonna play. We're playing South Carolina. It was like my first um, bowl game that I was uh, uh, playing, and playing and really playing. And um, you know, we're playing the SEC uh, yeah. school, so we were excited about playing them. And it was I just remember being hype all week about about <laughs> it. And then you know, the first memory that I have of the game it was sitting on the bench looking at um, Brad Ekwekru. When we looked at each other and then we looked at the scoreboard and we're down 21 nothing in the I think it was the first quarter. <laughs> like I was like, oh, this is how they play in the SEC. You know, like I just remember that just so vividly uh of that experience. And then we came back and won. And so that whole experience was awesome. Uh so that's the first one that comes to mind. What about you? Oh, I remember <laughs> I think a lot of our fans will this will resonate with them. I remember Shreveport. <laughs> I remember <laughs> it was Shreveport. And I remember how excited everybody was to go to a bowl game for the first time in I don't know how many years. I guess it was maybe five or six years. I think they went to a bowl in 98 or something like that. Mm -hmm. But before then, it had been forever. But um, going to Shreveport and then um, going back. So when we made it to the bowl game in 05, it was, it was like, oh, man, we're going back to Shreveport. <laughs> But that game was memorable. You know, it was our first bowl win. It was Coach Pinkle's first bowl win. And we were down big uh, early on. And I remember Coach Walker coming over to me because I was a sophomore at the time, right? Yeah. And I remember Coach Walker coming over to me when we were down big. And he said, you're going to be on this team for a long time. He said, if, if you're going to be a leader on this team, he said, you got to go over there and say something to those guys. And I just remember him. I remember him saying that, and I'm thinking like, "All right, I'm a sophomore. Like, this is the last game of the year. Half these guys are out here; they don't even care." 
Like, what am I going to say? And so I yeah. mustered up the best remember the Titans thing that I had. And was like, you know, they don't know how hard we worked in the summer. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't have all that blood, sweat, and arguing <laughs> with these coaches for nothing to go out like this, blah, blah, blah. I don't remember everything I said, but, you know, it was shortly after that, and I was just talking to the offense. So it's not like this comeback was because of me. But I remember after that, uh, it was Marcus King, right, got the interception and ran it all the way back. And then we got some life, and all of a sudden we started playing, and then all of a sudden we won the game. Right. I was like, yeah. <laughs> but it just made me feel really good, and it gave me a lot of confidence leading into the rest of my career. Uh, and you probably ask anybody on the team, they probably don't even remember that I said anything. Yeah. But like, to me, that was one of those things that, you know, Coach Walker was such an influential person in my life, especially at that time. And touching on recruiting, why it's so important to make the right decision, because these guys are going to be the people who touch your kids the most for the rest, for the next four or five years of their life. And they're going to be able to shape and mold them. And that was something that he impressed upon me that helped me become a leader. And it gave me confidence in myself moving forward, not just in football, but outside of that and everything that I do now. And so that was probably one of the biggest things that made a lasting impression on me was as a young cat, you know, being nervous, not knowing what to say, just getting up in front of everybody and saying something and then mm-hmm. having those results again, wasn't because of me, but like, it didn't hurt, <laughs> didn't hurt yeah. me, cool. <laughs> hurt my confidence. But I think that's one of the, the key takeaways whenever you have great coaches and right. that you need to be able to communicate to your players is that you actually do have control you actually can make an impact and control what's going on and bring the energy and and get everybody corralled and trying to get everybody with that same mindset Mm -hmm. um just like you said because some people you know are not motivated like that when everything goes wrong you know it's like oh my god here we go again type of deal where you know some people they like know what okay maybe i don't know what to do i don't know what to say but i'm gonna try because i believe that I can make a change and we just need one, just need to get my foot in the door. We just need one play, you know, and start the momentum. (laughs) And so that, and I think that's like, you need coaches that are going to, you know, speak life and give the players the opportunity to do it and not just coming down on them all the time. Mm -hmm. Those are the moments that are critical and you like, okay. And then you build off that momentum. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, Your last year, you guys, oh, so your last bowl game. Talk a little bit about your last bowl game and your memories from that one. And I believe, you know, this wasn't a setup question, but now that I'm thinking about it, was your bowl game the Navy game? No, it was not. Thank God. You guys uh, lost uh, me a lot I of money know. in that. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No, <laughs> I won't put that on you. <laughs> Gosh, who do we, I don't even remember who we played. Uh, Iowa? No. No, that was Blaine. Who was, the, who was in the – look it up real quick. I don't remember. Um, you talk yeah, all the time. <laughs> um, anyways, doesn't matter. Uh, I think that I was trying to, you know, the last game of your college career is a is a big deal. You try to go out there and um, give everything you have, and you're so self absorbed. And I feel like that's where um, was like it's like a. a a gift and a curse at the same time. Like, I don't even remember who we played because I'm only focusing about myself. <laughs> you know, I see right. I it's not about who I play, who we're playing. It's about what techniques they have, what right. I'm going to do, and what I can control. And right. so I never was uh, 
a player that knew all the players' names and where they went to high school and like even who we played and what game. It was like I was so focused on myself and what I needed to do, what I could control that um, like I can't remember who we played in the in the bowl game, right? Northwestern. And so and so that's what uh you know all my games were um yeah. were were like and so I think I was just trying to enjoy the moment. Uh, enjoy the moment because I knew like this was the last game and you know life is gonna change forever after this. What yeah. about you? So we were roommates remember at that. my last bowl game, Cotton Bowl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right off the top, the first thing that comes to mind is I was uh oh uh, what was I two catches away from breaking the single season receptions record going into mm-hmm. that game, right? And as uh, annoyingly proud of the number 84 as you are, I remember the night before the game, we were joking around and you were like, oh, yeah, you're going to get three catches. You're going to end up on, oh, shoot, 84. <laughs> and, like, yep, and, break the, and break the record <laughs> and have 84. And break the road, have 84 receptions. And I was like, yeah, right. If I get to 83, I'm just going to drop the rest of them. So <laughs> I'm going to drop the rest of them so I don't end up on 84 no matter what happens. And uh, sure enough, we go out there, and this game is nothing like we think it's going to go, right? At I mean, all. Tony Temple ran for, what, 278, set the Cotton Bowl record. And you're, like, out there just, like, like they're not throwing running the ball. drag routes. Yeah, running drag routes. <laughs> running decoy routes. It was yep. the easiest game I ever played in. It really and was. I knew it was going to be an easy game one way or the other. Either we were going to catch a hundred balls or that was going to be the game plan. And I had on um I had on speed TDs. So usually you know we'd <laughs> wear uh cleats with a little more ankle support in them if you're gonna do more blocking or it's a little bit more mixing the game plan. But I knew no matter what was going on, I was gonna be running. Either I was yep. going to be running routes or I was going to be running people off. And so I put on my speed shoes, my track shoes, and that's literally all we did. Spat it up, and we ran the whole game. And I ended up with three catches. Broke the record. Broke the record. And, and finished with 84 receptions that season. I was so happy and salty at the same time. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Love it. And considering you right here. Awesome. Like give you, I'll sign on my jerseys and give it over to you. So you put it, up. <laughs> it was so fun, though. One of the I was always about first taking care of my guys, making sure that you know I was trying to be the best leader that I could be, and I was making plays whenever we needed them if my number was called. And then the fans, I just love people. I loved that as we were winning, people were so happy. Like all they wanted to see was a good Mizzou football team. Yeah. And so, I mean, you touched on this earlier in the season on one of the shows about how, you know, I was always in the crowd or after the games. Like when I was sophomore, freshman, junior, uh, all the way up to my senior year, we only ran around and slapped all the fans after we beat KU and after the last game of the season. Mm-hmm. We did that every single or I did that every single That's game. That's what I was about to say, but you better switch it up and say you did that. There's a couple people I called you, yeah, you definitely started that. And by the end of the season, but I mean, that was like what it was about, right? That's who, besides the guys in the locker room, like that's who we were playing for. That's who supported us. That's who helped us get to where we were. And so I can remember after that game, it was so cool 
after being with Coach Pinkle all in the staff all of those years, Coach C, just to see how everybody had elevated, right? Mm -hmm. Coach C was the assistant coach of the year. Walter Campbell, assistant coach of the year. Chase yeah. was a Heisman finalist. Uh, just like all of these things that everybody had accomplished and being a part of that. And we were able to dump the Gatorade on Coach Pinkle in the KU game. And then me and Zoe got him again at the Cotton Bowl. And then my family was there. So after the game, I ran up in the stands and my big brother was there uh, who never got to see me play because he was playing for the Panthers. You know, in college, he might catch one game or a couple on TV. But mm -hmm. um, so talking to them and then just after the game, having the trophy and being able to take it over to the fans, because right there where we walked in, the, the 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 fence was really low. So the fans were really close. And so just taking all the pictures and signing all the autographs and all the hugs. I mean, it was just so cool to have shared that four or five year journey with all those people. And now we, you know, finished the season ranked number four when when we got there, we were number four from the bottom. Like it was just such a cool journey. Right. So but I would say that part of that is I would say Coach Pinkle's growth, right? In the program. I I would say when you when we first got there, you couldn't do that after a win. It was like everybody <laughs> can't go right to the locker room. Like there's yeah. you do exactly what we tell you, this is what it is. Yeah. But you know, the fact that he eased up on that stuff. Yeah. And number one, it played in for you. Like you got tons of energy off of that. Yeah. That's your personality type. And that's why you're a great leader because you care about people. You're not just like me where it like takes all <laughs> of my ability and I have to shoot, you know, <laughs> to go out there on full speed, you know, every single play, <laughs> every effort where it's like, oh, you could just go out there and be laughing and joking and go handed and a drag round get hit and you're fine. And, like you don't even have to really think about it. Just don't be a ball coach. Um, but then, like, how, like going out there and and, and um, building a relationship with the fans. I know that you still have uh, people that are in like tire club and whatnot. I mean, you go see them yeah. when you go back to Columbia, right? You were Absolutely. building relationships and and um, getting the fans involved because you know your awareness is everybody. You know, right. everybody experiences, and so. You know, Coach Pinkle allowing you to do that, allowing players to um, express themselves and do what they <laughs> do best, honestly, and it bought and it worked. You know, absolutely. It so did. I think it, you definitely have to have that um, uh, that awareness and know your players and know your team and making sure that you're moving in the right direction. I think that's uh, it says a lot about um, the growth and the opportunity that Mizzou has to. Mm -hmm. um, to really understand the players and get back to where, you know, we're competing every, every week. And, you know, people are like, Hey, they can win. I know those guys, yeah, you know, for sure. I, I know them, you know, I yeah. talk to them, I see them all the time. Mm -hmm. They're great guys and I know they want to win. Yeah. So I think that uh, is going to be, um, it'll be great to see um, if they can bring some of that stuff out. Awesome, man. We're running up against the end. Talk about this bowl game. You got a minute and a half. Talk about Army a little bit. Tell me what you want to see out of uh, Mizzou and uh, give us a prediction for the game. Um, Mizzou's going to win for sure. Uh, you know, every game I'm picked 28 nothing. Mizzou's going to win. Doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> right. There's uh, the bowl game. It's like everything is, you know, off the table, right? Yeah. Everything's off the table. You're going to see different plays, you're going to see um, different schemes. 
Um, and it really comes down to who can turn it on. There's so many, so many distractions that are happening and, uh, and it's just a totally different experience. And so I think it just, who's going to come out that day and wants to win, who wants it more. Right. And who's going to continue to fight, uh, there. Cause a lot of times you see people give up in bowl games and they get down. They're like, oh, it's the last game. Right. They just keep looking. They look, especially this early. It's like you got you still got Christmas, you still got right. you know New Year's, and you, you try not to get hurt. <laughs> yeah, like all that stuff is like, are you gonna go out there and really focus in and give mm -hmm. everything you have, um, and then take the break, or are you shutting it down middle of the third quarter? So right. uh, that's what it's gonna be interesting to see. You never know, you know, you got to really know. And the fact that you know Mizzou was able to pull it out. Uh, this season, how they finished, I have mm -hmm. high hopes that they're going to come out no matter what and finish strong and, and win this game. So I think the same thing. I think we finished uh, while we finished on a loss. I think we finished on a good note effort wise, um, fighting, scratching, clawing. Guys aren't giving up. And I think we it'll be clear we've got the best athletes on the field, but it's going to come down to our defensive line. Uh, I think Army's got the third best rushing attack in the country right now. And, you know, that's part of the reason or partly because they don't really have a quarterback who can throw. And, you know, they, that's what they do is they run the ball every single play. And then yeah. when they don't, it's play action. It's like Nebraska in the nineties. So um, I think we'll definitely have the edge athletically, but will we have the edge mentally like you were talking about? And the guys are going to have to be tough because army, Navy, air force, they know they're not the most skilled, but they're the most disciplined. And there's nobody who's going to outwork them, nobody who's going to outfight them. And so you're going to find out a little bit about this team, too, about their grit um, in this game here. And it's going to test their mettle and see how bad they really want to win. So I, I think that's a lot of what it's going to boil down to is how bad they want to win, what yeah. they're willing to put into it to get a win. Because it, it's a winnable game for sure, but they're going to have to work for it, as we found yeah. out with Navy, uh, you know, about a decade ago. Yeah. So, um, well, anything else you got for us? Nope, that's it, man. Sounds good. Thank you guys all for tuning in to this episode of Making Mizzou. Huge thanks to our sponsor, 360 Vodka, sponsoring Making Mizzou right here on the Kansas City Sports Network. We'll be back with you guys after the bowl game. Um, maybe that week? Maybe the week after. If it's not that week, have a Merry Christmas if we don't see you soon. See you before then, and we'll see you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.